realize if they don't buy in and if your best players are not culture setters, it really doesn't matter. Kirk Lacob, assistant GM of the greatest team ever assembled, the Golden State Warriors. Here we go. 2010, you guys would have been considered what some would term seller dwellers. Now you're considered arguably the best, most well put together engine team of all time. How did this how did this happen? Give the audience a little bit of a taste of that secret sauce of it. Um, you know, I, I think the most important thing you can do is is hire good people and and set some goals and it really does start at the top um you know i'm gonna give my dad a ton of credit here but he he had a vision for what he wanted and he's he is not an insecure person um he loves to surround himself with people who are really talented and he knows where you know he his strong points are he also knows where his weaknesses are and you know the, the best part is he immediately hired some people who work exactly the same way. Guys like Rick Welts and Bob Myers, and, and then eventually, you know, Steve Kerr, who really embody that sort of makeup of leadership. And they've they've continually hired people beneath them who are terrific. Um, and it's it's just so fantastic to to work with people like that. It really isn't about the the result, to be honest. It's mm-hmm. it's about the journey to get there. Um, and if you do things the right way, good things eventually happen. Uh, and it's, it's really been an amazing run. I think this is actually my eighth season now. Uh, and to, the amount of success we've had is, is really, it, it's incredible and it's, it, it's tremendous to be a, been a part of it. And, and I can tell you that the best part of it for me has been the people who I've been with and, and yeah. getting to see them continue to spread their wings and the people we've given, I've personally been able to give championship rings to, there's like nothing more exciting than seeing their face. Um, and, and knowing that you're going to be part of a lasting memory in their life. Man, that's, that's what I see too. Every time I come up here and, and able to hang out with you guys and come to the facility, it's just like an infectious atmosphere of positivity just oozing out of everybody. Like you guys are all just look like you're having the most fun just being at work. And it's, and yeah. it's, it's, that's great. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the secret sauce. All right. Welcome back to the Game of Life podcast. We've got Jeremy Lin on. Jeremy, what's going on? The two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. He's like the eye of the hurricane because in the middle of the hurricane, it's really calm. And so Michael never tried to stop all the madness around him. What he learned was he just got calm in the middle of it. Stealing that pass at Staples, I was like, dude. <laughs> you know, yeah. Give Kobe a little glance after that. What's up? Uh, you want to be that person that when they walk into a room, that people are happy to see you. Talk to me about working with Ronaldo. You helped coach Ronaldo to become a great sleeper, a human test tube. Thank you, man. I, I, <laughs> I think that's like one notch up from being a human guinea pig. They'll take it in a good uh, way. And I just pray, man. Like. I just pray and I just thank God for for everything. The moment you realized, man, I'm in the NBA. Oh man, that was from day one. That was the 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 day I got drafted when I heard my name being called. Buckle up, the Game of Life podcast coming at you, where we bring to you the behind the scenes lives of NBA players, business savvy entrepreneurs, and top level performers in all fields of personal development. The podcast that helps you become the best version of you. And you've been eight yeah. years already. 
It's yeah, this, this is the start of my eighth season. It's, it's gone by really quickly. It's, it's amazing to, uh, to look back and and see all the, all the things I've already seen in the NBA. I, I really am starting to feel like a vet, which is a little bit scary because when I first got here, I was the youngest person everywhere I went. Um, and it feels really weird that there's people younger than me now. It really that is does. crazy, man. That makes me feel really old because I remember the days <laughs> when we were at the Rikus Center and Weems would mm-hmm. bring you guys in. I was training you in high school. So I feel really old. <laughs> All right, give us a little bit of background on yourself because, as you said, you've been in the league for eight years. You're Stanford, MBA, Forbes 30 under 30, and you probably won't admit it, but you are one of the most well-respected basketball minds in the business. Anyone that I talk to, when I say I know Kirk Lakeham and – they're like, yeah, he's a great guy, super sharp. So that's 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 a credit to you, a credit to the work that you've done. But give us a little background on on how you got to this position. Yeah, I'm. Uh, look, I'm I'm Bay Bay Area born and bred. Um, grew up, and I, I've always loved basketball. I mean, I'm, I'm a sports junkie in general, uh, but basketball's always been my favorite sport. Warriors were always my favorite team, and it was it was not easy growing up with that uh yeah i, I honestly yeah. what i thought going to nba games meant you go to watch the other team play and hope <laughs> hope your team scores 100 points so you get free chalupas uh that's that's what i thought it was about it's what it should be about they should get back to that yes yeah 100 points we might have to change that, that's yeah. a little too easy these days uh but no i, I grew up doing that and uh i always always loved the game uh played i was a good player yeah um, you know had a chance to to go play um, in college, not at a really high level, not at a major D1 level, but D3, potentially, you know, low division one. Um, I opted instead to go to Stanford, um, which was another lifelong dream of mine and, uh, and try to walk on. And, and I was a part of the program for a little bit and eventually left and uh, started the club basketball program there. And, and really, I think I always knew that my, my ultimate, you know, I was not going to end up as a player. Uh, my, my parents were not particularly tall or athletic. Uh, my dad might, might, you know, take offense to that. But the reality <laughs> is, is my parents were not particularly tall athletic. And, and so I always saw myself as someone who thought the game well and, and could think about the business side of the game and, and bring things together. And, you know, I, I just, I got really fortunate when I was graduating uh, college, I, I got to know Steve Kerr and mm-hmm. he offered me an opportunity to a, an internship with the Phoenix Suns. And um, nice. I was so excited about that. I actually was supposed to work for Nikki Redd. Um, you know, who's here with us mm-hmm. now. And mm-hmm. it's funny how all that stuff happens. Um, I think Alvin Gentry was the coach time. It really would have been an, an unbelievable uh, kind of group. But as things happen, Steve decided to resign. Uh, he called me up as I was finishing school and said, sorry, you know, I'm going to resign and probably means you don't have a job next year. And Man. was it my, was it the best day of my life? Definitely not. But I wasn't yeah. deterred. I said, you know, it was an amazing opportunity um, I just got to keep working hard, and I know I'll have another great opportunity at some point. Um, I just got to put myself in a position to be ready for whatever comes my way. I'm a pretty pretty lucky guy. Had an amazing amazing opportunities growing up, and turned down some jobs in the tech sector. Um, ended up traveling with friends that summer, and you know then the opportunity of a lifetime comes along, and my, yeah. my dad is able to uh, to buy the Warriors, and you know, I was a part of that process with him, which was was really great. Um, and then he turns to me and he says, do you want to come work for the team? And I said, no, I don't. Um, and, uh, you guys are probably wondering now, like, well, I am working for the team. So what (laughs) happened? Uh, no, but about two months went by where every day he'd ask me and we'd talk about things. And I eventually came to the understanding that 
this was something I had dreamed of doing my whole life and I shouldn't feel bad about getting that opportunity. Um, if I, if I give up that opportunity, it's kind of a slap in the face to all the people who would love to have that opportunity. The, The best thing I can do is take full advantage of it and do the absolute best job I can and be the best at it. Um, and so I, I really try to hit the ground running and, and to be honest, I like the pressure of having a microscope on me. There are a lot of people who want to see me fail and I totally understand it. I get it from their perspective. Uh, I just, I've got to take that, um, and I've got to use it as fuel and, yeah. you know, luckily, uh, like I said, I've been able to work with some unbelievable people. Um, I got to work on some really fun things early on. I got to be, um, in charge of buying and putting together a D league team, uh, running it in Bismarck, North Dakota for a year, then bringing it to Santa Cruz. Um, I've handed that off over the last few years and it's still very near and dear to my heart and I love it, but I've gotten to work on so many fun things, so many great people, um, who I get to see around the league now. And, and that's kind of what brings a smile to my face is, is seeing all these other people take advantage of their opportunities. And here, here I'm sitting with two championship rings in three yeah. years. Um, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. That's an that is a great ride, man. And you you hit the nail on the head too with the relationships you keep coming back to. That's what I see. The, the greatest the the greatest people in the NBA that I see are the ones that are all relationships that are all caring about the other people and putting others before them. And that's that's you to a T, man. And and I know it was I know it had to be like a super challenge because people are gonna hate for sure. They're gonna think, yeah, you're just there because your dad. But man, you are like one of the best like you will be a gm i know it's probably doesn't even cross your mind but all the work that you put in as assistant gm and that's what that's what i think people don't understand too is they see assistant gm don't really know exactly what they do but i honestly think assistant gms are the hardest working people in the nba all that goes into it the scouting the g league drafts trade everything well it's it's fun uh, i'll tell you um i i used to dream of being a president basketball register gm I got to be honest, it's, it's not my focus um, anymore. My focus is on being part of something great. Um, I've, I've obviously got a very yeah. unique opportunity, and I get to work with just amazing staff. Um, I couldn't ask for anything else. My, my goal is just to continue to win, just continue to win, great build goal. something that, that's never been done before. Which, um, yeah, which, yeah. You, which you guys definitely are, the greatest team ever assembled. And going to that point, in the NBA, the main term that teams are trying to build organizations that just thrown around all the time is culture, creating culture, the magic word. Every team wants it. Rarely any team has it. How do you guys go in specific? What, what specifics do you guys do to make sure that you're going to create that culture? Uh, is there anything that just stands out that, like, okay, this is what separates us from everybody else? Uh, again, I come back to people. Yeah, um, people. It, yeah. it doesn't work if the people at the top don't set the tone yep. and whether that's, that's my dad and Peter Gruber, whether it's Rick Welts or Bob Myers, Steve Kerr and the players, I mean, look, they're the ones playing the game. Um, yeah. We can talk about great culture and setting something up all we want, but the reality is if they don't buy in and if your best players are not culture setters, it really doesn't matter. Um, everything else point. that you're doing. And, and we are so fortunate, you know, Steph was here the year before we bought the team. Um, he had been drafted and I can tell you, I was unbelievably excited as a fan at the time. Um, I, I distinctly remember I was watching the draft as I did every year with my brother on the couch and we kept, you know, hearing, could the Warriors trade the pick? You know, is Steph Curry going to be there? Will they take him? He doesn't want to play there. And when they drafted <laughs> Steph Curry, I'll never forget my brother and I got up and we were high five and we were so excited. And it's, it's funny to me now to, you know, to work with Steph because I was such a big fan of his growing up. Um, 
and yet we're actually the same age. Uh, yeah. We're the same class uh, in school. Um, we were both guys who were, were really small uh, coming into high school and even coming into college and, and grew really late. Uh, both of our high school teams were the Knights. Um, Man. I believe he actually wore number 20, if I remember correctly, in high school because 30 might have been too big or something. I wore 20. <laughs> There's all these funny parallels. Um, but no, I, I respect the guy. Interesting. Just an unbelievable amount because he's not as good a guy as you think he is. He's significantly better. Um, yeah. He just everything that he does off the court um, preparation, the, the work ethic that he has, he doesn't just work hard, but he works smart. Um, yep. he's, he's so happy go lucky. He's so good with teammates and friends and family. He's, he's the type of guy. There's a reason all these guys want to come play with him. Um, he's egoless that. and he sets the tone. And I think you asked what makes culture. That's what makes culture. It's, it's a guy like that. Um, and, and we've continued to, you know, he allows us to continue to surround him with guys who, you know, he's, able to let them be themselves he doesn't have an ego about it um guys like clay and draymond and now kevin added to the mix those guys andre those guys they can be themselves and i think that's a huge part of culture is letting those guys feel comfortable in their own skin and be who they want to be and making that a positive um yep. and it just it permeates all the way up and down Yep, he's an absolute transcendent star in more ways than just on court off court as well i'll have to point out though like you saying all the parallels you have with him you might have a better crossover than him. Your crossover is <laughs> nasty, man. You've broken my ankle a few times at Summer League. I do not like guarding you. I don't like playing against you. you got a nasty cross. He might have a better jumper, but you got him there. Uh, my crossover is still pretty decent. The only problem is you can catch right back up to me now. I can't. I don't stay gone. Uh, you stay gone past me. I don't know if I can catch back up to you. Uh, talking on Steph and just how transcendent of a star that he is, are there any specifics that stand out in his daily routines that he might do? I know he's really big into what's next level as far as performances, as, as so are you guys, and with float tanks and everything that goes involved with the glasses, the goggles, everything. Is there anything that stands out that you're like, man, Steph is, is you said he's training smarter. What does he do to train smarter? Some I think examples. He's, uh, you know, he's not afraid to try something new. Nice. Um, but, but he's not, he's not trying things out willy nilly. Like he, it's strategic why, and he thinks about something before he tries it. Um, and then when he does, I think this is the most important part. He commits to it. Um, when, when he's going to train using some new device or some new idea, he completely commits to it. Um, and he gives 110% effort. Uh, you know, we, we see him making all these crazy shots and games, yeah. um, or, or doing things with the ball. And, and you wonder how he's still standing at the and these are all things he's practiced. Um, you know, those crazy flip shots off the glass and floaters that, you know, hit the ceiling. He, he literally practiced that stuff every single day. Um, you know, the mm -hmm. ball handling drills, he's, it's been mm -hmm. well documented. Some of the things he does with his, his guys like Brian Payne and, you know, the lights flashing. He just, he works on things because he, he knows what, what he's going to need. And he's, he's creative about what's going to come next. Um, and he, he doesn't just kind of jump around and say, oh, this looks like a nice new piece of right. technology. I wonder if it'll help me. He says, this looks interesting. How can I guarantee that it will make me better? Um, and then he commits, you know, 110% to it. So I think it's he, he utilizes all the tools that are available to him, but he really utilizes them. He, he does not just kind yeah. of randomly try things out. 
I'm really glad that you said that too, as he practices all those, because I'll do camps all over the world and kids will try to shoot like Steph. I'm like, okay, he's done this a million times. Once you do it a million times, you can shoot with your eyes closed and run back down court before it goes through the net. But until then, no. <laughs> so that's that's great that you point that out. And, and I, I think going back to the point of culture and just seeing like everybody feeling comfortable with themselves and how important that is and everybody being on the same page buying in, it's like you guys can bring in players that other teams might not have been able to make great team players like a Nick Young or JaVel McGee, and now they are all in the system. It's like you're like the Spurs on steroids, I would say. <laughs> well, look, we, we have a ton of respect for the Spurs and yeah, what they've for done. Sure. And, and to be clear, like, have we been great the last few years? Yes. Um, but they, they've won five championships, um, and they've won whatever, more than 50 games, like 20 straight years. That is unbelievable. That is yep. unbelievable to be able to do that. So we have great respect for them and, and what they've built and how they've spent multiple generations and, and frankly, how they've changed um, their style of play multiple times. Um, it's, it's incredible. But I, I think you touched on something. One thing that they've always done well is they've developed guys um, and they've, they've picked guys up who maybe didn't fit in other places and, and found the perfect role for them. And it's something we've strived to do um, when you have a foundational player like a Steph or a Draymond or a Clay right. or a Kevin, um, you you really need guys that, that fit around them. Um, and we do think about fit. Um, and JaVale is probably the most high-profile case of a guy we've had. Um, you know, he, he had been kind of cast off by the NBA, and, and there were a lot of things said about him and, and who he was. And we brought him in and said, you know, this is clean slate. Um, you know, it's, it's what you make of it. Uh, we'll let you be you. And I think – you know, he, he took it and ran with it for sure. Um, and I think what's great is to see him so comfortable. And I, I remember him saying last year, like he's never really allowed, been allowed in a locker room to be him, to wow. be JaVale and to be the guy he wanted to be. And, you know, everyone, look, he goofs around and yeah. we make fun of him sometimes, but we know that that's who he is and we don't have an issue with it. Um, we, we think it could be all construed as positive. Um, if, if we allow it to be, and it's, that's, that's how you get guys together. And I think, again, Steph deserves a huge, huge, uh, applause for that. And I think Steve Kerr does as well. Steve does just a phenomenal job of keeping everyone up and down the roster engaged at all times. Um, you know, I was talking to a couple of our our guys who are new to the roster this year, just the other day about it. And they say the most unbelievable thing about Steve Kerr is he is so honest. He tells you exactly what you need to hear. Um, but he does it in a way that you really appreciate. Yeah. Um, and, and you can tell that he really cares and understands. And so next time he tells you something that you don't want to hear, you sit there and you're like, I don't, that's not what I want to hear, but he's right. (laughs) Yeah. And you can't argue that he's right. You can't argue it because he he's been honest with you throughout this whole process. And I I think it's just great, uh, what those guys have been able to build. I mean, I think it is too. And you say that too, and how much he cares, like just, just from myself, my own perspective, whenever I come up there, like I'll talk to him, I'll sit down and talk to him for like 20, 30 minutes and it'll just he'd be taking time out of his day and just asking me how I'm doing. It's just like really caring deeply when he doesn't have to. It's just, it's, it's infectious on the whole organization and the culture. Well, there's a secret. Go start your own NBA franchise. Now you have the blueprint of how to build the best NBA culture of all time from Golden State Warriors. Kirk Lake of much more coming in the second half of the podcast. Real quick break to talk to you about our sponsor for today. Coming back at you with Ample. 
because I love the taste and I love the health benefits that I receive. What Ample is, is a full meal in a bottle made with real natural ingredients. Each meal is ready in moments and designed to give you sustenance without the energy crash. Quality protein, probiotics, healthy fats, fiber, everything that is good for you. And it tastes like chocolate ice cream. Stir it up, make it super thick like I do. You'll love it. Ample meal. In the show notes, you will have your discount code. Type in nurse and you will receive 15% off your ample meal. And let me know how it tastes. All right, back to the second half of the podcast, Game of Life with Kirk Lakeup, assistant GM of the Golden State Warriors. You're going to learn on analytics in the NBA, a day in the life of assistant GM, and we're going to put Kirk on the hot seat rapid fire. All this, plus at the end of the show, you know you got your three-pointers of the week, and we're getting closer to December 25th, the giveaway of NBA tickets to a game of your choice. Listen to the end. Find out how you can be entered to win those. Second half, let's go. Let's jump into um, let's jump into analytics. When you came back, when you came into the league uh, in 2010, it was probably just getting going, just kicking off. And you guys have been one of the leaders as far as being out here in the Bay Area and being tech savvy and trying new things. How do you think analytics and um, technological advances have improved you guys overall and just the game of basketball and going on looking into the future of the NBA too? Yeah, I, I think that um, we're obviously in a great area uh, where we have so many opportunities afforded to us. Um, and, and people really do reach out to us. And because of the concentration of all the technology and great minds, that there's, it's really easy for us to, uh, to get people to come and, and want to offer help. Um, but I think the great thing about where analytics and technology are headed is it is certainly not going to give us the answer to anything. Um, but it's another piece of the puzzle. Um, and it allows yeah, us to point. reduce reduce the margin for error. You know, make make better informed decisions. Um, and you you've seen the change in the game. Um, you know, Sportview cameras gave us this whole deluge of information, um, and then it became our job to sort through that information and make it useful. Just because you have information or you have data does not mean that you're going to use it in a productive way. Um, and that's that's I think really been our secret sauce over the years. Right. Um, I. I try to give Sammy Gelfand um, a lot of credit here. You know, he's been tasked with finding ways to, to correctly communicate information to coaches and players. Um, and sometimes it comes across in a way that is not so obvious. You know, it's casual conversations where you, you throw a nugget in here or there, or you build it into practice plans over the time. So that it becomes kind of secondhand nature and people don't even realize that they are utilizing data to make decisions. Um, but it's, it really is, I think, paramount to our ability to continue to adapt and grow mm-hmm. um, is, is to utilize anything that was is within our grasp. Uh, so we're very open to new ideas. We're very open to test things out. Um, you know, we, we do have a, a way of doing things. We do have a system in place. We do test things. We don't just, you know, randomly right. throw new stuff into the mix. Um, but it's, it's allowed us to really understand and, and sometimes to peek behind the curtain and figure out, you know, maybe we know what's going on um, or we know why, but we need to figure out, you know, how, how do we get to that? Um, if, if we know it's great when Steph Curry shoots threes, well, let's figure out what are, what are the, what are the best threes for him to shoot? What are the yeah. best ways to get him those shots? Um, I know there was an article a number of years ago on ESPN about, can you imagine if Steph Curry shot 10 threes a game, this could be the future. And I think he was shooting like six or seven a game. And, uh, you know, there became a debate. Well, okay, you still got to get the shots. 
Yeah, exactly. would it be great if Steph Curry shot 10 threes? Of course, but not if they're all bad shots. And, you know, now that's almost a silly notion um, yep. because he can kind of get that shot almost whenever he wants, <laughs> and, and it is always a good shot. <laughs> yeah, um, good point. But, but those are the types of questions we ask. You know, what are the really good shots? How, how do we get him the best shots? What's the type of thing we need to run? You know, what, what pace do we need to play at? How does our defense factor into that? Um, pushing the ball in transition, those sort of things. And it's been immensely valuable to us to kind of understand ourselves and, and continue yeah. to push forward. Yeah, I think you utilize it the, the, the correct way where you, you're saying, hey, we'll have all these numbers. We'll have all this at our fingertips. But how do you implement it? How do you make it make sense with players, make it make sense with coaches and everybody understand it? That's that's the biggest the biggest bridge that I've seen is teams and players find it hard. They get all this information, but great. It's just information, but you saying you utilize it in the right shots and the right system and the right pace. Yeah. That's, um, that's a very effective way. Um, and, and going and going forward with that, as far as analytics and talking about the future of the NBA and how much has grown over the last eight to 10 years, what do you think it'll look like in 2050? Think there'll be any just absolutely crazy things going on? Oh, uh, well, we might be playing like a whole different sport in space or something. <laughs> well, um, that's true. And you, yeah, you guys will be in San Francisco by then with an absolutely beautiful arena. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I hope by, by I hope. 2050 we've made it to our new <laughs> arena because um, we're supposed to be there in 2019. We're supposed to have the rest of this year, yeah. one more year, and then be in the new digs. But uh, no, I, I don't know. And, and that's part of what's exciting. You know, we'll, we'll try to predict things um, full well knowing that we can't predict the future. But, you know, we'll try to give ourselves optionality. Um, so that we can, we can build in many different directions. Um, and I, I, frankly, I get more excited about a new puzzle, a new challenge. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, what's great. It's, it's, what's great about sports to be honest. And about the NBA is no matter what happened the night before something different can happen the next night. And every year is a new puzzle. Um, every year there are new storylines that you just never saw coming, you know, sports, um, the NBA is the greatest reality TV show there is. Um, you, you cannot script it. Um, whatever you could have the craziest, you know, screenwriters in Hollywood come up with something and they couldn't write something as good as the stuff we get in basketball. And and that's, what's so fun about it. Um, yeah, it really is. People are irrationally attached to sports. They they love it in a rational amount and that's exciting. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys have some of the best fanatics there are up there. So, yeah, really good point. 2050 maybe me and you will be able to figure out how to create longevity we'll be back in the nba or something we'll say that yeah we need longevity and uh we need athleticism we need need to find a way to get a little taller and a little more athletic everybody's going over to europe and germany to get rehab there's got to be something going over there we could go steal (laughs) more height and athleticism i'm sure there is all right, I'm going to throw you on the hot seat. So these are going to be rapid-fire questions. All right. And just say whatever comes to your mind with these. I want to first go off with the rapid-fire. It might be, might be a little bit longer than rapid-fire, but walk us through uh, a day in your life as an assistant GM. What kind of things are you going through? It can be in-season, off-season. Just throw at the audience so they know exactly all the stuff that you're putting in. Whew. That's tough. Uh, every day is different. And I think that's kind of what I love about it. Yeah. Um, I, I have a lot of duties that are in basketball, a lot of duties that are without, um, outside of the game, um, on the business side and, and other businesses. But, you know, I will tell you my favorite day of the year. Um, and it, it always has been is draft day. Yeah. Um, you know, someone awesome. in the front office, there's only so often, uh, that we can really affect the roster. 
Um, and it's, it's been less so the last few years, you know, we used to be in a position to change things up quite a bit now, um, or quite a bit. And that now we don't really, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't change too <laughs> yeah, much. I was going to say, um, but that being said, draft day is always so fun. Cause you know, so many crazy things are going to happen and it's a chance to really affect the next year. It's, it's kind of our Christmas. You know, <laughs> you it's go. the one, one day where, where you really get to, to make decisions and, and live in real time. Um, that's, that's probably, and that day always starts with morning pickup. Bob, Bob Myers and I always do a little morning pickup game with the staff and, you know, just to remind everyone why we're here and why it's so fun. Okay. Yep. I'm coming up to play morning pickup in the draft day because <laughs> I know how serious Bob takes it. All right. Models that you live by. Are there anything that really has stuck out to you in your life has been that you put your, uh, that you put your finger on? Uh, man, I don't know if I have like the perfect motto per se, but I, I, I will either. tell you what, one thing that I, I certainly live by is, um, be prepared to take advantage of opportunity. Um, nice. because like that. you, you don't know when it's going to hit, you don't know what shape it's going to take. And, and obviously, you know, some, for some people it's, it's a massive opportunity. Like for me, it was a massive opportunity. Um, you know, for others, it, it could be something much smaller, much more simple, but I, I think, you know, you, at some level, I'm not saying completely, but at some level you make your own luck. Um, mm-hmm. you, you just, you have to be prepared, um, because you never know when opportunity is going to strike and you better be there to take advantage of it. Um, because yep. there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of shit happening in the world. Yeah. And a lot of people want that opportunity. So if you get it, <laughs> yes. seize it. I like that a lot, man. Really good. How about the craziest MBA story you have? Something that just pops up to you, into your mind. Maybe it was early on in your career. Something just absolutely out of control, crazy. Like, man, what is this? This is the NBA. Well, you know, I can't tell those best stories. <laughs> I know you can. I knew you said. How about like the mid-level story, the ones that are you're able to tell? Um, I tried. Oh, I tried, man. audience. Let's, I tried. Yeah, let's let's see. I mean, there, there's been some some obvious. I will tell you, this one's somewhat documented. Okay. Um, but one of my favorite moments I've had was. Uh, Game six, Oklahoma City. We're down three to two. Um, this was just a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and things are not looking good. We're we're struggling. We're getting just really pounded by the Thunder, um, and I think we're down about ten going into the fourth. And Clay Thompson starts just catching fire. I mean, absolutely silly stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one thing about me is I I rarely get into games. Um, I've sat in finals games where we're about to win the championship and I'm kind of mellow and, and flatline. I've been in games where we're getting crushed. I've been in tight games and, and I'm always pretty much level-headed, um, very much the opposite of my dad yeah. um, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, or Jerry West who just ride this roller coaster emotion. Um, and both of them have actually, they, they said they hate sitting with me at games because I never <laughs> look like I'm into it. Never looks like I'm paying attention. Um, but it's just the way I am. And, and I will tell you, um, Bob, Bob claims that in that fourth quarter, he, he saw some life out of me. Um, Clay, Clay hit a couple threes and I will admit, I will admit I was kind of, I was having fun. Um, I was enjoying it. It was kind of a surreal experience. Uh, that is a fantastic place to play. Oh man. It was loud. Um, and Clay just, I, I will never forget. He hit, um, I think it was a big three from the top of the key with his feet kind of, um, all out of position and there was a timeout and he comes back to the bench and, and Steve's talking to the guys and he's, you know, I think we're down like three at this point. It's maybe three minutes ago and there's a timeout and Steve's talking to the team and Clay's kind of just sitting there off to the side, just staring blankly. Um, and I looked down at him and then I turned to Bob. I was sitting next to Bob Myers and Travis Schlink. I turned to him. And I said, guys, 
he's he's in a zone that none of us can like possibly understand. Like, wow, this guy is so long. And you could just see it in his face. Like there was no way he was not going to win this game. Um, Man. And I, I remember that so distinctly. And then, of course, you know, we got, I think we got like another steal. We come back and it's like a bang, bang. And then another steal and a three. And next thing you know, we're up three and then we're up five. And like the game's over. And I turned to the guys and said, well, you know, I know we got to play game seven, but there's no coming back. From that. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's it's over. And we, we go down in that hallway and, you know, the guys come through and they're all hyped up and they're yelling. You got your usual dream on stuff. And Clay comes by and I just give him a huge high five, you know, big clap. My dad gets down on his knees and like, we're not worthy. <laughs> we're not worthy. And Clay's face, he was just loving it. And then he he comes by and my brother, who had just started working for the team earlier that year, yeah. he's sitting there with a big smile on his face. And he's got his hand up and Clay walks right by him. And <laughs> the uh, the cameras caught the whole thing, um, national TV, you know, excited guy, yeah. high five, and Clay just runs right by him. It was yeah. it was all time. Well, welcome to the NBA. Yeah, I remember that game vividly. Okay, so that's what it's going to take to make you smile. Somebody, somebody go unconsciously in the zone mode in the playoffs to bring your team back from the brink of elimination. Got it. All right. Yep. <laughs> okay, how about this one? I like asking this to every guest that comes on. Dead or alive, three people that you would invite to a dinner party. That That is, you know, there are a lot of people I would like to talk to. Um some would probably not be popular, popular choices. Um, That's some okay. maybe would, but, uh, here, here, let's go with this one. I would say, um, would probably, you know, I, I would like to talk to, uh, someone. I mean, I, I think someone like Martin Luther King, um, Perfect. just, just his, his leadership. I, you know, it's, it's the type of person I've only seen, um, through videos or read about, Right. Um, but he, he's just such a natural leader and, and such a powerful, um, voice. I think he, he would have been an unbelievable person to just sit down and have a conversation with him. And my, I guess part of when I go through these names, it's, it's not just about the name. Um, it's, it's really about who they were and, and the conversation I can have with them. That's what I was going to say. Um, yeah. Conversation yeah. I just, important. I, I'm, I, I'm very fascinated by a lot of different things. Uh, um, so I would say him, you know, I think who I've always thought it would be really interesting to talk to Albert Einstein. Um, although I, I gotta be honest, I worry that I just wouldn't be able to keep up. I think that's um, the case. He'd probably just sit there chilling, saying stuff way over our head. But I, I love a lot of this kind of theoretical physics stuff. Um, I, I took a bunch of classes in college on, um, nice. astrophysics and, and space stuff and, I think it would have been really interesting to talk with someone who just sees things at at another level than all of us. And uh, number three, number three, let's see. I mean, it can always um, be me. I always tell people it can be me if, you, if you're struggling <laughs> to find one. I always throw Larry David in there, too, just for some comedy relief. You know what? I, I'm going to go out on kind of a limb here. Um, someone who I've, I've met very briefly once before, um, but I've, I've just heard is so funny. And I think we would have a great conversation. I think he would... He'd really crap on me a lot, but Charles Barkley. Oh, that'd be awesome. I would watch anything Charles does. It's literally my yeah. favorite show, that TNT halftime show. Yeah, I, I think that's a good group. Martin Luther yeah. King, Charles Barkley, and Albert Einstein. We'd uh, have some pretty different <laughs> different conversations going on there. All right, what are you, what are you eating? What's the meal? Ooh, your go-to meal, your okay. favorite death row meal. I, I am a big-time foodie. I love food. I love every I type of food. Me too, man. Um, 
But if I had to pick my top top things, I would say my my favorites are sushi. Um, Perfect. Probably a pesto pasta. Um, and I know you, you're probably like, why would you have both of those things in the meal? But I could do it. Um, I'm okay right. with that. So I'd start with the sushi. I get to some sort of pesto pasta, and then I would probably end with either a creme brulee or like a strawberry New York cheesecake, oh, preferably Carne- Carnegie Deli New York cheesecake. But oh yes, it's gone. So you are you are a foodie. See, I say one meal, and you go a three course beautiful meal. I was going to say that yes. the dessert would have to be up here in the bay. The super thick milkshakes from the peninsula. Okay, nothing That's, beats that. That's that's pretty good. All right, last one for you. In a nutshell, advice that you would give to a kid who was in the same shoes as you, a young kid loving basketball, growing up, wants to be involved in, in basketball or just, just following his passion. What what advice would you give to a young kid? Okay, I'm going to give him three, three bullet points. I'm going to tell him, you know, one, <clears throat> follow your passion. Make sure you're passionate because you're always going to be better at something that you enjoy. Um, than if you try to fake it. So that would be, that'd be number one. Um, number two, I would say, and this is kind of cheating a little bit, it's a little bit of two parter, but I would say, make sure you respect everybody that you talk to because you never know when something's going to come back around. Um, I have been on both sides of that where I have talked to somebody and, and not really known who they were. And eight years later became a very important part of my life. Um, you know, that conversation led to them saying something nice about me to somebody else. Um, I've also been on the other side where someone has not said something very nice or treated me very well. And, you know, it didn't help them later. Um, when, you know, I, I started working for the warriors. So I'd say that's, that's part of that. Um, and I think the other part of that is to just to recognize that, not everybody cares as much about your life as you do. Um, <laughs> Good point. And, and that is okay. That is perfectly okay. You just need to be uh, aware of that. Um, you know, I, when I used to when I used to go and talk to people about things that I wanted to do, um, I don't. They, they'd always say, "Okay, you know, follow up with me." Blah blah. And you have to recognize, like, it is the not the most important thing of their day to talk to you, and they don't care what you do next. So if you don't follow up and you don't, you know, kind of run that relationship forward, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, they have mm-hmm. other things in their life to worry about. And you've got to be, it's really respect. You've got to be respectful of what other people are doing in their time. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of a two part of there. And then the third thing I would say is just, you know, make sure that you stay hungry and, and you, you prepare yourself. Like I said, for those, um, opportunities. Um, I am a constant learner. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do is to read about all sorts of stuff and you never know when something is going to be important later. I'm I'm very much into multidisciplinary learning. Um, so when I say I love, you know, astrophysics and, uh, you know, the gaming community and I love, um, science fiction, those sort of things, you never know when that's going to be important to you. Um, so I, I'm constantly, I'm about learning all the time, reading what you want to read and finding ways for all that to be you know, useful later on. That's a re- that's a great answer. That's one of the best answers I've ever heard. Seriously. And I, we got to talk on books that you're reading too, cause that's the same as me. I just absolutely love learning. Cause if you're not learning, you're not growing at all. Great point. Exactly. Man. Great point. All right. I got to ask you before we head off, what are the din- dinner conversations like with your dad? Cause, cause your dad is really, he's, he's pretty smart on having an eye for talent and understanding the game of basketball at a high level. So 
What are those conversations where you have to take in his input, but possibly block out his input and just yeah. manage it basically? Because I, I mean, well, I'm, I'm playing hoops with him tomorrow morning, so I need some trash <laughs> to talk on him too. Uh, well, I, I will tell you, first of all, I can't tell you how many family meals uh, we've come out from and other people in our family are like, were we even there? Um, why, why, why do you guys continually talk about basketball all the time? Um, and, you know, we're, we're both just really passionate about it and, and we enjoy going back and forth. Um, so there's been plenty of family meals have been ruined uh, by more basketball talk. My sisters are more sick of basketball. They love the game. They yeah. love watching. They're more sick of talking basketball than anybody could be. Um, but I, I would say, you know, the great thing about, about my dad and I and our relationship is it's a very open relationship. Um, he is, he's a great, I don't want to say he's a great listener because he doesn't always hear reading, but he's, <laughs> he's always open to hear. He wants to hear other people's viewpoints. And he taught me that growing up to have an opinion, be able to back it up with something and we'll go at it. Um, I, I will tell you some of the most legendary moments we've had in this organization in terms of building this team have been he and I going out in a room in front of people. And I think when this first started, people would look at us like, uh, is this okay? Is this normal? They are like yelling at each other. And, um, you know, I've threatened to quit before. Um, and he has yelled at me to shut up and, (laughs) you know, stop with that bullshit. And I think it's healthy because we we get through all this stuff and and we're not, we don't have an agenda. We're saying what we really feel and why. Right. And uh, he's also said, don't be a wallflower. Don't come into a conversation and have nothing to add. You know, if you're going to do it, just leave the room. Um, and so I, I've really enjoyed that. And it's, it takes a lot from him to, you know, as the owner of the team and as the head of the organization to enable not just me, but everyone down all the way to an intern to say their piece and he'll listen. Um, so it's great. We, we have fantastic. We do not agree on everything by any means when it comes to basketball. We've had some knockdown, drag it out, um, discussions before, but it's all in good fun because in the end we make a decision as a group. Um, and we, we exit the room and we're all on the same page. That's, that's great, man. So there's, there's, there's possibly a lot of pesto throwing, maybe some sushi throwing around at the dinner table too, but it all comes back to it. You're on the same page, trust and honesty. Great, man. Kirk, that was a lot of fun having you on the podcast, man. I really appreciate you giving us your time and your insight, your input. Like you got to, you have a super bright future ahead of you. Not just saying that because you're a friend of mine, but I really, I really appreciate the support that you always give to me and I'm excited to see what's what it's got coming for you next with the NBA is. And I just ask that I can be a water boy or a janitor at whatever spot <laughs> you're at next, just so I can play in pickup games. That's all I want. <laughs> the pickup games are the most important. We know that. I'm saying for sure. Hey, is there any way that uh, the listeners that we can support you guys, support you and any causes or foundations or any of the warriors that they stand for? Anything we can get behind? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm never going to tell anyone to do what to do with their money or, or their you know, their, their passions, but I will tell you, I think the, uh, the Warriors Foundation does some unbelievable things. Um, it's really focused on education. Um, you know, while I don't nice. think it's the, the only equalizer in the world is, is a very important equalizer. Um, I've been blessed to, to have amazing opportunities to be educated. You know, my dad came from a very different background where he was the first in his family to graduate college. And so he puts a huge emphasis on it, but the Warriors Foundation, um, they're an incredible organization. The past few years, they've become one of the largest in, I think, in North American sports. And they raise a lot of money each year, and they give it all away. And the focus is on education. And I'm really behind it, and I love it. So yeah, if people want to want to get behind and, and be a part of that. Um, you know, we would love it. Will for sure, man. We'll link to that in the show notes. And 
everything else we talked about and we'll be in touch soon for sure and i'll come up there to see you guys but go get this one tonight against orlando thanks it's fun yes appreciate it appreciate it go cross everybody up too before pregame (laughs) all right (laughs) we'll do thanks man see ya big time thanks to kirk lakeup for coming on the podcast most nba teams aren't able to give that much in-depth information and kirk just as a great guy that he is shared it with us fluently Now you know the secret to culture, why it's so hard to obtain, why so very few get it, but the Golden State Warriors put it all together to create the best sports team of all time, in my opinion. Everything we talked about will be linked in the show notes, and trust me, Kirk will be a GM in this league relatively soon and for many, many years to come. But without further ado, now it's time for your favorite, Game of Lifers, the three-pointers of the week. All right, three-pointer number one, the book that I am reading this week. It is called Open, Autobiography of Andre Agassi. Super interesting read. Basically, Andre's life mapped out. He was groomed to be a tennis champion from day one. If you want to hear about a father that is demanding, yeah, Andre has it. And he doesn't leave anything out. It's uncut, unfiltered, can get uncomfortable at times in the overall highs and lows of his career in his search for happiness along the process. Three-pointer number two, the life hack that I'm testing this week. Okay, so it's something I've known for a while, but it's something I'm studying a lot more in depth on. And an aspect of health that really gets overlooked is inflammation. So turmeric has been shown to reduce inflammation due to its anti-inflammatory characteristics. It's been shown to reduce joint pains, prevent cholesterol from oxidizing, and basically detoxing your enzymes to reduce inflammation. It's pretty much the superhuman spice. There's a link in the show notes how to effectively use turmeric and add it into your daily meals and your daily routine. Three-pointer of the week, number three, the NBA behind-the-scenes info. Okay, this is really cool. I'm going to take you a deep dive into just the lifestyle of the NBA in the plane flights is what we're going to focus on today. So you're probably used to just flying on a normal airplane, getting on the plane, having to stand in line, go through baggage, all that kind of stuff, and it's a process. It's annoying. NBA lifestyle, a little different. So my first flight... I pull up to the airport, toss my keys to the valet. He takes the car, parks it. By the way, this is out in New York, actually New Jersey, and freezing cold at this time. So when I get back, he's already got it heated up, ready to go for me. That's another note. All right, so I don't have to go through any security. I hand my bags to someone who puts it on the plane, step on the plane, got my whole own road to myself, by the way, I'm just I'm just a coach. I'm not even a player. You should see how well the players have it. My whole road to stretch out, movies, food, snacks, whatever I want. I go back to the back of the plane just to get a water like you normally would, and there's this, this huge spread of smoked salmon, sea bass, vegetables. It's unreal the difference of the plane flight's lifestyle. But it goes to a lot of players and coaches' heads. Because when you experience that type of lifestyle and that type of treatment, you start to expect it all the time. Which is not a good thing, because it's not real life. So it's all about keeping things in perspective. Oh, and not to mention, I've seen some card games, some poker games between players, where there's tens of thousands of dollars exchanged in one game. I wish I was good at poker. 
Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Game of Life podcast. Really appreciate your support and being a Game of Lifer. Oh, before we get out of here, I got to tell you how you can win NBA tickets to a game of your choice. The drawing is going down Christmas Day, December 25th. So you have to leave a review in iTunes of the podcast. Send me a message on Twitter, DavidNurse05, a question or any type of review. That's how you're going to be entered to win NBA tickets of your choice. It's going down December 25th, right around the corner. Hope you all have a great week. And remember, life's a journey. Enjoy it. David Nurse, Game of Life, signing off.